Hey, what's up, guys? Bill Brower here with FNBA Nation. And this episode, I got the opportunity again to speak with retired Deputy Chief Anthony Avillo from North Hudson Regional Fire and Rescue. Many of you know him from his articles that he writes monthly in the Bulletin. Uh, he is also an adjunct professor at New Jersey City University's Fire Science Program. Uh, he's currently the director at Monmouth County Fire Academy. And he's the author of several books that have been published by Fire Engineering and Penwell Books. Chief Avillo and I had the opportunity to talk about the attack team entry checklist and the fundamentals that we really need to stay focused on when it comes to pulling an attack line and getting water on the fire. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and uh, thank you for your support of FMBA Nation. All right, what's up, guys? This is Bill Brower with FMBA Nation coming to you live from the Serve Pro Studios here in Rawway, New Jersey. I am joined again, none other by the uh, one of the one of the best guys in the fire service coming out of New Jersey. That's retired Deputy Chief Anthony Avillo. Uh, he is a monthly contributor to our NJFMBA Bulletin. Uh, retired Deputy Chief out of North Hudson Regional Fire and Rescue. Uh, he is the current director of Monmouth County Fire Academy. He is an adjunct professor for New Jersey City University, <laughs> author of many uh, books from fire engineering, including his fourth edition of Fireground Strategies, which is coming out in the near future here. Uh, Chief, thanks for joining me today. Uh, it's an absolute honor and privilege to talk to you again. Uh, you've been on the show. There it is, full contact leadership too. There we go. Uh, You've been on the show a couple times now, and, and I appreciate uh, the time to sit down and talk about some of this stuff. No problem. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, the uh, yeah, full contact lead. I wrote that with Ed Flood, who unfortunately passed away in February. And I'm, I'm really, really, and you know what? The fire service is really fortunate that they got some of his thoughts and philosophies in the print because he was a one-of-a-kind guy. But yeah, thank you, and thank the FMBA. I'm always... You know, the FMBA has been very, very good to me and to the fire service um, since I've been around, which is like 35 years. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but um, thanks I, for all, uh, all you guys do, man. I won't tell you how uh, if you can't believe you're saying 35 years. But you know, are you 35 years old? 38, actually. How old? 38? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to make you feel old or nothing, but. Man, I don't feel old. I feel seasoned. Nice. There you go. Um, so listen, I wanted to, uh, to touch on something, you know, we, we, I'm a big sports fan, right. And, um, I always feel that in the fire service, we don't get enough practice at things, right. We, we, we're really, we're, we're almost every single day. It's game day, right. It's game time. Mm -hmm. And, um, unless you're able to break away from, uh, you're 24 and, and do some training at the fire ground, some real quality training. Um, every day is game day. So we need to be strong at our fundamental approach uh, in terms of uh, how we are operating. So uh, a while back, you had come out with a uh, checklist, a, an attack team entry checklist, which I think really hits on a lot of the fundamentals for engine company operations when you're putting an attack line in service and some of the things that we need to make sure we're checking off and we're making sure that we're doing the little things because those little things have a lot to do with the outcome and how successful we are in 
uh, confining and extinguishing that fire, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, when do we want to start going over this attack team entry checklist? Like, what is a good time in our minds to be running through this this checklist of things that we need we need to be uh, keeping in our minds? Well, I, I think, uh, let me just start with this saying, I think I was in an engine company for about 15 minutes. I spent my entire career in a ladder company. Um, so I was prone to chief, but uh, yeah, this is really important stuff. And I've, I've uh, a lot of this stuff also, I had collaboration with my instructors here at the academy who, who are like really engine experts, you know. Um, I, I think every time you train, every time you pull a line, you, you, these are the kind of things you should be thinking about. Um, they're very fundamental in the operation, but failure to do some of these things uh, will um, will set the operation back. You know, it's it's not that we're not going to go in and put the fire out, but you know, it, it could create the stage for delay, could create the stage for injury. Um, there, there's there, there's a lot of consequences, unintended consequences that happen when we don't take care of the little details of fire attack. So. Uh... You know, we, we, we talk about size up, right? And, and I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but the size up starts from the moment the alarm comes in, right? So when we're, when we're thinking about uh, attack team and, and this checklist, um, every time we pull the line, this is something we should be practicing and going through. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the, the, the line, the, the staging, um, our, our working length, uh, flaking it out. What, what's some of the things we need to keep in mind there when we're, when we're actually uh, pulling this line and, and getting this line in operation? Okay, um, just, just to digress a second, you, you know, you talked about the size up. Uh, the arrival report is gonna tell uh, an engine company on the way in, um, especially if the engine company's not first on the scene or whoever else is coming in. You know what they got to what they need to be doing for instance you have a you know one-story non-combustible strip mall that engine officer coming in better be thinking about a two and a half they better be thinking about someone uh um hooking up to the fire department connection you know the, these are things that that have to automatically start coming into your head um uh, an upper floor fire you're going to be thinking about you know how many lengths you might possibly need that sort of thing um but i think um in regard to that initial stretch, the flaking out of the line, I have seen, uh, you know, uh, atrocious line stretching uh, in my time. Um, you know, I, I've, I've worked at academies for a long time, so you, you get to see a lot of that of not your own people. And that, what that does actually is it, it sometimes sort of allows you to sort of prefix your own people once you see it somewhere else, you know, and you, and you hope that God that your guys don't do it. But I've seen that also in North Hudson and in Weehawken as well. Um, you know, as, as far as stretching, it's, it's you know, um, everybody can't, you know, the guy who grabs the nozzle can't just grab the nozzle. I've seen that a million times. Take the nozzle and go, you know, whether you use pre-connects or you, or you pull off the back. We never used pre-connects in North Hudson. We pull off the back. And what we did was we put together a thing called the nozzle and shoulder load. Nozzleman shoulder load is that last length of hose. It's six feet long, Nozzleman shoulder load, and it's just a bundle for the attack guy. That Nozzleman, he carries the, it guarantees that guy has 50 feet to the drop point. Um, and that drop point could be at the front door on a lower floor fire or a basement fire. It could be at the second or third floor 
on an upper floor fire, on the floor below the fire, you know, and, and that guarantees we're going to get at least 50 feet there, you know. Um, everybody else shouldn't be bunched up behind the nozzle. You know, you, you should be uh, aligning your couplings. If you're going and, and it's out in the street and you're going in through the front door, one of the things we do here at the academy, and it works really well, and I'd never seen it before, is the nozzleman has the, uh, puts the line out, and what they do is they align the couplings up to the front of the building. So you have a coupling and, and flake, coupling and flake, coupling and flake. So when that line goes in, the couplings aren't dragging from the back where they get caught. The couplings are right near the front, and they go right into the building. It, I, I, I had never seen that before, but it's it's really, really good way of stretching. Um, uh, you know, and when you're upstairs, you've got to do your very best to, you know, uh, figure out, you know, that, that especially that 50 feet, you know, 50 feet has to be flaked out well, so that once that line is charged, you know, you know, it, it doesn't become, uh, you know, uh, a limitation or, or a detriment in your ability to stretch it. You know, the thing I have on this is until the attempt there's been a lot of studies recently from UL and NIST about flow paths. Listen, flow paths have been around forever, right? It's just mm -hmm. they've been doing more research on it. So why is it important to keep that door closed until we're ready to attack the fire? Well, opening a door is ventilating the building. And ventilating the building by a door is like ventilating it by two windows because doors are like twice the size of windows. So if the ladder crew is going in to do a search or find the fire, close the door. Once they find the fire, if the engine crew is on their way in, uh, one of the things that they are, are looking at now is actually a great book called uh, The Evolving Fire Ground by Sean Gray and PJ Norwood. Excellent, excellent book about all these studies. It's, it's, it's actually a really small book. I'm reading it now, uh, pretty eye-opening. But what, what they also say is that um, even when that line is stretching into the building, the door should be controlled. You don't want air coming in from behind because it's gonna pull the fire at the attack team. So if they're stretching in dry, right? And you should never stretch in dry on any floor that's got smoke. Smoke on the floor, charge the line, don't be lazy. But if you're stretching in dry, uh, say it's a, a third floor fire and you're stretching in dry to the second floor, we'll try and control the front door a little bit so that we're not creating a flow path in the stairwell. Hard to do because of the limitations on staffing that we have. Um, but you wanna try and do it if you can. Once we get water on a fire, chalk the door open. That's one of the things that we see also, departments don't chalk the door and then the door closes on a hose line, which you know doesn't uh, violate the flow path principle, but also violates the water path principle. You know, um, I think that, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, oh, well, there's also the, um, the, the, the fire curtain. You know, there are some departments, and, and listen, European fire service is light years ahead of the American fire service when it comes to understanding fire behavior. But some of the things they do, you get an old salvage tarp, you put some grommets in it, you know, you wait it a little bit at the bottom and you use your hanger bar for your fan. Throw that on the door, throw the salvage cover on it. So now you've opened the door, but you've sealed the door. The line can go underneath it, the line can go in. And once the line is attacking the fire, you take it down. Tough to do, a huge change for the fire service. But you know what? It does work. It does keep the fire where it is. Once you are opening those doors, the longer you take to get water to that fire, while that line is being stretched, the more that fire is influencing the area around it, the people that are in the area around it, and the flow path back towards where the attack team is coming from. Yeah. yeah. 
why education is key. All right, let me ask you a question. Are you like me and need a cup of coffee in the morning to get your day off to a good start? How about an afternoon cup of bean at the station? We all know that shift work is brutal to our sleep cycles and that we could use a cup of joe to give us that push through the shift. That's where our friends from Fire Department Coffee come in. Whether you're a firefighter, an EMT, or dispatcher, do yourself a favor and try them out. We have a special offer for our listeners and supporters. Go to firedepartmentcoffee.com, that's F-I-R-E-D-E-P-T-C-O-F-F-E-E.com, and use promo code FMBA on your next purchase for 15% off. In addition, for every purchase made using promo code FMBA, Fire Department Coffee will donate 15% of the sale to our Mark Virag Memorial Cancer Fund. These guys are great people and our career firefighters themselves just trying to make really good coffee to help us get through our next shift. So go buy some today and don't forget to use promo code FMBA. When we are we're at the door dry line, um, you know, the next item on the checklist calls for the line to be charged. How important is it for our officers and our pump operators to be communicating uh, to each other as to the exact time that that line should be charged? Well, it's, you know, it's like, like NASA, you know, being told to launch the rocket, you know, it's like, uh, you know, how important is that? It's, it's as important as anything else that we do on the fire ground. What happens is that, and when I first came on the job, guys would say, look, don't ask me to call for water, just charge it, you know, and, and I, you know, and I'm like, well, what if there's spaghetti? What if you're stuck? What if something's happened all of a sudden, the water's coming? And that, 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 that never seemed smart to me. Um, I think it's really important that there's good communication. The other thing, and again, in the limited staffing department, the chauffeur of the apparatus, should his area of operation should be from the front door back to the rig. So while the guys are at the front getting stuff together and, and that guy should be making sure that the line's not getting stuck on the car tires, you know, that there's no obstructions between the back of the rig when he breaks the line and attaches it or whoever breaks it and attaches it to the front door. You know, that's also a responsibility and a short staff department. It's a good responsibility for an engine chauffeur. Don't go in the building, but you can still sort of, until, until they call for water, you can still sort of monitor that that stretch the outside part of that stretch you know we, we talk about uh positioning ourselves and and where the the places in the fire building we need to be aware of and positioning ourselves and one of the things we talk about is is positioning ourselves on the protected side of the door and when we make entry to uh, protect our, our means of egress, right? Uh, locate, confine, and extinguish the fire. Talk to me about uh, you know, why it's important to maintain these positions and to run through these, um, these items as we're entering the building uh, with, our, with our attack line. Well, you know what? That, it's, that not being on the protected side of the door is probably the most common of all the failures that, that I see at the fire academy here. You know, uh, even guys forcing entry, they'll force entry a door and then they'll just open the door and they'll be standing right in front of it. You know, the, the guy's on a nozzle, they're standing right in front of the door, the other guys are standing in front of the door. The, the attack is not ready to go 
or shouldn't be ready to go until all everybody is on the protected side of the door. So then when we do open the door, especially if, if you know if you're on an upper floor and it's a fire apartment, you know fire can come blowing out of there. And now fire comes blowing out of there, either cuts off your regress or burns somebody. What does that do to your attack? You know, I, I think it's really important. It's one of those things you learn. All the things that we're talking about here are things you learn in fire one, but things that we sort of uh, get complacent with and forget because we get away with them 99% of the time. But it, it's, it's really important to, um, you know, have a barrier to the fire uh, until we're ready to attack it. And that includes, you know, uh, you know, open the door a crack, let it blow, take a look inside, make sure, you know, you know, the boogeyman's not coming, you know, with fire, keep the beast in the cage and, and then attack, you know, we, we, all it takes is for somebody to get burned and, and uh, everybody understands that. Yeah. You made two points there that, that are, are further down on the list and I kind of want to jump to them because we've kind of touched on already the other items on this checklist, which is, uh, you know, checking the door for heat, uh, making sure that there's no fire directly behind it, ensuring that the team is ready to advance, right? We're communicating with each other, making sure everybody's ready to go um, and, and we're on the same page. And then announcing, uh, you know, that we're about to enter, uh, trying before we're prying and, and forcing if needed, forcing entry if needed. Uh, controlling the door is, is, is important. You touched on that and allowing the products to vent um, you know, I, I feel like failure to control the door is, uh, is a huge, uh, a huge thing, uh, when it comes to the initial attack line. Why is, why is that such an important thing for us to do? And, and then let's talk about, um, you know, the, the reading of the smoke and, and, and how that's going to dictate our, uh, our tactics in fire attack. Well, Failure to control a door is even more important on the interior than it is on the exterior. You know, I mean, you, you certainly have to control it on the exterior. You're dealing like a one-story house or a two-story, you know, private dwelling. You have to control it. When you're dealing with a multiple dwelling and you got a fire, say, on the second floor, you know, you fail to control that door. Well, you know, maybe the occupant left it open. First of all, we got to get it closed. Ladder company probably has to do that while the line's being stretched. But once the line is stretched and ready to go, if there are people coming down the stairs, if there are people on the stairs, we can't attack that fire yet. We have to wait till the stairs are clear. Then we can open the door and, and attack the fire, of course, staying on the protected side, et cetera. Um, but that's really important about controlling the door. Um, these are like, if you look in New York City and their SOPs, they don't even allow you to open a bulkhead door or pop a skylight or a scuttle until you have confirmation with a ladder officer on the fire floor that they have control of the door or water at the door and or water at the door. That's a policy in New York City. That's a very solid policy because, you know, uh, you go and open a door because, you know, just because you can, you could, and, and there's fire behind that door and you don't have a hose line there. You could cause a lot of grief to anybody on those stairs, and especially if it's civilians. So I think it's important to control the door, um, to ensure you're controlling that door in, in that way. What was the second part? So the here is reading flow. Um, you know, as the attack engine, uh, why are those two things uh, important concepts and, and things for us to think about as we're making our initial attack? Well, I, I think reading the smoke, and again, this is this is Dodson stuff. Uh, great videos out there to look at, but I think reading the smoke from the exterior uh, is always uh, easier to do from the outside than from the inside. 
but you know, you pull up on a building and, and you know, we're, we are forcing the door, take a look at the smoke, see what it does. If it's up at the top of the door, the chances are the fire is, is upstairs. If the full door is full in smoke, there's a good chance it's either, you know, right there, but it's more common that fire is down in the basement. If it's about halfway in the door, and again, you got to give it a second to settle itself. About halfway in the door, it's probably on that floor. So it gives you an idea of, you know, where you should be ready to, where you should be ready to attack. And it's easier in smaller buildings. In a bigger building, it's much more difficult to, uh, to read that smoke. You might, in a multiple dwelling, have to look at the windows and read the smoke in the windows. How many windows are showing smoke? How angry is that smoke? How violent is that smoke? Does it look like it's getting ready to light off? Or is it more wispy? You know, um, John Norman has a pretty good guideline on that. You know, the more windows you see with smoke in them, the more fire is hiding back there somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. which, which is pretty common, common sense. But, you know, um, you know, you think he talked about like one window showing, two windows showing. I don't remember the exact guidelines, but um, I know all you guys have to study a Norman. So you should take a look at that because, you know, Norman is, was really a very experienced guy and it's, it's probably a very, very good guideline. But um, yeah, listen, I, I think you have to look and see what is the smoke doing? If you don't have water and that smoke is angry um, and what I would call uh, projectile smoke vomiting, that's not going to be a good place for you to be without water, you know? Uh, I think you need to read the smoke to find out, you know, sort of where the location of the fire is is likely to be and how angry that fire is. Because if you are leaving doors open, then that angry fire is going to come at you with a lot of anger. And don't be between the fire and where it wants to go, especially if you have no protection like water. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, again, I appreciate you coming in and on some of these talks and whatnot. Um, I'm looking forward to doing more of these with you in the future. And, uh, you know, if there's ever anything that uh, we can do for you here at the FMBA, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, tell me a little bit about your upcoming book. What, uh, what's the status with the new book coming out? And uh, where can people uh, get it when it's released? Okay. Um, I'm at the present time. I'm doing the audio book for the third edition and for Full Contact Leadership. They're going to release it as an audio book. The fourth edition, um, about two, about halfway through the rewrite of the fourth edition, but through the first rewrite. So I'll usually go through it like three or four times. I, I um, uh, you know, put different pictures in, but I'm adding a lot of different things to it. And I'm trying to subtract some things. I know it's a big book. Um, they, of course, don't use it in New Jersey, which I'll never understand. You know, my book and, and Turpac's book, like, we're New Jersey guys. We understand New Jersey firefighting. Why would the division of uh, civil service division not use our books? I, I just, but it has to do with study group and promotional prep and all that stuff, but whatever. Um, but the fourth edition is, uh, you know, there, there's, there's additional things that are going in there. Some, uh, I'm going to be putting some things in there on, on uh, you know, active shooter, civil unrest, you know, just things to think of. I'm not writing a, a chapter on it because I'm, you know, I'm not an expert on that, but just things that I would be thinking about as an incident commander, um, putting things in, uh, in regard to uh, attic fires, um, structures on elevation and elevated structures, which is becoming much more common. Um, yeah, th there's, there's definitely going to be a bunch of changes in the fourth edition. And I'm, you know, hopefully I'm thinking it'd be out probably sometime maybe late next year, uh, 2021 and, and it's Penwell book. So you can get it through any any publisher. Gotcha. Uh, we wanted to uh, is via email. 
Uh, yeah, my email is uh, deputy1 at optonline.net. Use deputy with the number one at optonline.net. But if you need to get a hold of me, you can also message me. I'm on Facebook and you know I'm, I'm easy to find. So uh, you, know, you don't have to try too hard. Gotcha. All right, Chief. Thanks. We really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you again soon. Great. Thank you, brother. Thank you to the FMBA for everything you've done uh, during my time in the fire service. All right. Thank you, Chief. Be safe. Hey, guys. Bill Brower here with FMBA Nation. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about ServPro of Central Union County in Western Essex County. These guys are a trusted leader in the restoration industry. They provide 24-hour residential commercial services with highly trained restoration technicians. They're a locally owned and operated business, and they're dedicated to being faster to any size disaster with the training, equipment, and expertise to handle your restoration and cleaning needs. Some of the things that they cover are water damage restoration, fire damage restoration, mold remediation, storm damage restoration, cleaning services, and building services, to name a few. These guys understand the stress and worry that comes with a fire or water damage and the disruption it causes to your life and home or business, and their goal is to help minimize the interruption to your life and quickly make it like it never even happened. Our friends over there, Carl Spinner and Bob Morrison. Carl has over 25 years of experience in the industry. Bob Morrison has over 35 years of service industry sales experience. So don't hesitate to give them a call. You can reach them at 908-233-7070. All right, everyone. Well, that wraps up another great episode from FMBA Nation. Thanks for listening to it. And if you don't already, make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can listen to this podcast on any of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. And if you have an Alexa-enabled device and enable the TuneIn skill, you can say, Alexa, play FMBA Nation podcast on TuneIn Radio. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of the podcast or would like to be featured on the FMBA Nation podcast where you can talk about your products and or services that you have to offer, be sure to email us at nation at njfmba.org. And until next time, be safe.